All right, Dave, I got a really simple question for you to start off. Are you ready? Let's do it. Washington Commanders. What do we think? Uh, I think it's really bad. Yeah, it stinks. It stinks right out loud. <laughs> I think it's terrible. It's it's awful. We'll bring in our uh, our guest. I think maybe the only person with double digit sports trivia and crossing state lines appearances. Brandon Maxwell. Brandon, welcome to the show. Uh, breaking the territory here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That's right. The double double king. Um, I love the Washington commies. <laughs> the red and yellow. Right. I mean, it was it. So the beautiful thing about this was that it looked like they were spoiled a month ago with the admirals and that ended up not being true, which I thought was a better name actually. Um, and then this time it was a local news chopper that zoomed inside the stadium to see the new, the new messaging and branding. And that was what spoiled the reveal, which honestly, I think it softened the blow. Cause that it's a terrible name. It's terrible. And the uniforms are even worse. I mean, I feel like, are gross. I feel like it's going to grow on people eventually and people will like just stop caring soon enough. But I mean, I don't know. Washington football team, like in hindsight, was not a bad name. I loved it. I thought it was a great name. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like a, a nice classic, you know, interesting. And they've been around for a long time too. So it would make sense. But hey. And this is a, this is a great question I saw on Twitter. I, I responded to it myself. This is from at D on Twitter. What long-held team name would be would have been clowned had it first dropped in the Twitter era? I think there's a lot of them. Oh yeah, I I, mean, Red Sox, Yankees, Devil White Rays, the <laughs> Devil yeah, Rays, Pelicans again. You I mean, they already were. Yeah, Pelicans just narrowly missed being like renamed in the in the big Twitter era. Like people would have were They were at like the the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, it was. What was it like? 2013. It was like it was Anthony Davis's yeah. second year. Around there, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a ton of them. They're, like, half the teams in the NHL, the Sharks, the Sharks. Ooh. I think that's a cool name. I like I, I mean, I like it, but, it, I mean, the Ducks. I mean, if it, if it was just the regular Ducks, it wouldn't have been as cool. The fact they dropped the Mighty Ducks. Even that, though, people might be like, oh, what's next? The Anaheim Mickey Mouses or something like that. People would have found something to hate. People hate everything. Exactly. What about you, Dave? You had any in mind? The Heat. Uh, I feel like I mean, the Heat would have been clowned. The Miami Heat. I think the Heat is a good name too, honestly. I don't mind. Again, just for Miami. Exactly, but I or even like the Magic. People like the Magic when it happened because it makes sense with Disney. But like any of those names where it's like okay, like all right, it's just a, it's a thing. The Atlanta like the Atlanta Hawks is pretty generic. That's like a generic name that a lot of teams have. I'm just trying to go like team by the Brooklyn. Actually, the New Jersey Nets might have been the, the biggest one because it's such a stupid name. Like the Nets. Cool. Uh, I think names that that annoy me are ones like the Utah Jazz, but like when it be like the New Orleans Jazz, you right. know, or the Minneapolis Lakers, like where a team where, where like it made sense, <laughs> like like the say the Los Angeles Dodgers makes no sense, like at least the Lakers has like a flow to it, like the Los Angeles right. Lakers, right. like it's just the Utah Jazz. Yeah, exactly. Utah Utah Jazz. Oh my God. Yeah, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. Um. But I thought it was a good question. That's why I said on uh, to you know on Twitter, like I feel like there's more names that would be like that people would just hate than like like. There's a lot of like there's very few that when they dropped, people would be like, oh that's cool. But hey, you know what? People like the Kraken, so I guess they don't hate everything. Um, so yeah, the Commanders. 
zeros across the board. Terrible. And the uniforms are even... I don't know what's, what is worse, the name or the uniforms. Because they're both pretty bad. Uniform, uniform, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really just very indifferent on both of them. I don't know. I think they were. I think it's just such a dumb name. Like, I'm more indifferent on the name. I think Dave is right. Like the name is bad, but it's not like hard. It's literally not offensive. <laughs> so um, they have it. They're made a setup up there. Um, the jerseys are just like awful. Cause like those like the jerseys they have were like pretty much classic and they didn't really need to change them all that much they just needed to change the name <laughs> and that's really it but i didn't expect a major jersey overhaul but my god was i was i wrong anyway moving on to uh <clears throat> other topics from today or the past couple days you guys might have heard of this uh this brian flores lawsuit you guys hear about this you hear about this you read about this Wait, what is this about? I've never heard about this. Uh, I think he used to work for the Patriots. I'm not sure. Looks like Bill Belichick oh, okay. doesn't really know how to use phones. It wasn't just a ruse. Ah, uh, man, imagine that. I know. I guess he wasn't just playing around when he was misnaming. I mean, he probably was playing around to some degree, but it really does not seem like this man knows how to use a phone. Um, but what was your what was your first reaction when you guys saw that news yesterday? Because I was blown away. Because the first thing that goes through your mind is. He is torpedoing any immediate chance he has to be a coach because I think down the line he has a chance to um, become a coach again, but he's doing this to affect change and he is torpedoing his immediate future for the long-term future. Yeah. I mean, my first thought was finally, right. uh, finally we have someone that can, that can do something about it. Um, and I hope that it does. I know it likely torpedoes his career, like you said, but I hope that someone hires him because he's an amazing head coach. He's a motivator. He's a developer. I mean, he won back-to-back -back seasons in Miami. That, like, doesn't really happen for anyone. And he did that and immediately got fired. Like, I don't understand the justification for that, but uh, – and then you have, obviously, the, the messages coming out that – he wanted Stephen Ross wanted to pay him 100k per loss down the stretch last two years ago to try to tank or three years ago now actually, but it's it's all just such a mess and there's so much stuff to sort through. Like you know you have the the racism aspect of of the hiring process and the stuff like the allegations in it are really really serious and honestly they're all believable if you've been paying attention at all. None of this stuff comes across the bow like, wow, I can't believe this has been happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Shocker. There's, 31, there's 31 coaches that – there's one African-American coach in a sport that's predominantly African-American. I mean, that's just like uh, – what are we supposed to believe about this? Like, oh, there just has been one black-eyed coach that, that was worth hiring over the last five years. Like, it's just it's – not, it's not believable. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't negatively impact his career because obviously – He's taken a very big step in uh, putting himself in a very vulnerable vulnerable position. But um, like you were saying, Dave, everyone has known that these things have been going on, which is the unfortunate part of it. But, you know, hopefully this is going to be something that, you know, has some real impact in the NFL because it's clear that the Rooney rule, you know, intentions may have been good with it, but it's clear that it's absolutely failed. And um, just in regards to, some of the coaches that get hired versus some of the coaches that don't and also like the allowance of some coaches to just be 
completely mediocre, just straight up ass forever versus others not getting that chance. And, you know, they, there's guys like Lovey Smith and Jim Caldwell who, uh, you know, had coached pretty good teams. Um, Lovey Smith obviously made it to a Super Bowl. Um, not necessarily like the greatest coaches or anything, but there's a lot, a lot of guys who have been way worse, who have gotten, you know, way better in terms of offers uh, and in terms of the leash they've gotten for when those teams haven't been too good. Mm-hmm. And as far as the, the tanking and whatnot goes, obviously everyone's known that's been going on too, but to have, um, if there is this, um, the physical evidence documenting that coaches were, uh, excuse me, that owners were, um purposefully having their teams lose because obviously like the players and the coaches and whatnot they're they're the ones who are really on the line with that if their teams are a complete ass like that record goes against them they're going to be the ones who are cut or they're going to be the ones who are fired in the off season so the owners don't really have as much of you know uh a stake in that the ones who don't care about winning uh, but another thing that's crazy is apparently steven ross also has ties to like gambling companies and stuff like that too and if that's the case and he's trying to get his teams to lose on purpose. Then you have that whole can of worms to open up. And, you know, Hugh Jackson's apparently saying that same thing happened to him in Cleveland where he's got documentation to prove that he was losing on purpose. And, I mean, <laughs> Hugh Jackson obviously is not a good coach. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm not saying that at all. It's It really um, is like it's like the guy who just chimes in like, oh, yeah, no, they, they, they tried to pay me to lose too. Right. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. But, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see the follow-up because, I mean, based on this stuff, it would be – logical to say that they'd have to tell Stephen Ross to like up and dip, you know, Hey, sell your team, collect your two, 3 billion, go on your merry way and enjoy it. Um, but it's also the NFL and it's, it's going to be crazy to see if that, you know, old boys club budges in the slightest. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. And biggest thing I'm hoping for is that again, some form of change comes and also that this doesn't negatively impact Brian Flores, career. So I think I know the answer to this and I can understand why this would be your guys' answer to it. Who comes out looking worse, the Giants or the Dolphins? That's tough. I would say, I mean, obviously they both come out looking awful, but I would say the Dolphins because now you have two things going here. You have racism, you have fixing games, which, I mean, people are going to focus on one or the other, whatever they jump to, but like the, the points aspect and losing games on purpose, especially with the league jumping into sports gambling, that's going to be a really serious thing to, to look into now that that coach is like Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame strictly because of that. Yep. I mean, obviously, he's been kind of an a-hole to the people in baseball and not a, non-apologetic, which he doesn't really, you know, that's going to keep him out forever. But, right. I mean, that point, <clears throat> you know, fixing games, you know, Joe, the White Sox scandal back in the day. This has, like, been a thing for years. And this is why sports leagues hesitated to jump into the sports gambling world. And now you have stuff leaking about the Browns and the Dolphins potentially having basically fixing games. Yeah, I think it's definitely the Dolphins. They have the full cocktail of all the bullshit. <laughs> so they've got everything going right now. You know, the Giants, it's not good for them either, or the Broncos. Uh, but the Broncos are definitely in like the least yeah. bad situation. <clears throat> I didn't even and bother I, bringing them up. <laughs> yeah, and then it's the Giants in the middle, and then definitely the Dolphins who have <clears> – <throat> Well, all of that business going on. So I will. I agree with you guys. I think it's the Dolphins, and I think what puts it over the top is that that essentially the uh, the bounty to lose games. Um, but I will say this: of all the team responses to it, the Giants by far are the worst one. 
because they were they said that they hired the most qualified candidate. I so I have two I have two issues with that statement. First off, Brian Dayball never coached an NFL team. <clears throat> Brian Flores had been a coach for three years. Secondly, did that stop them when they hired Joe Judge to be their coach? I don't think no. so. No, I don't think Joe Judge was the most qualified guy in the cycle three years ago. If I'm not mistaken, you know the same cycle that Brian Flores was a part of. If I'm not mistaken. Only thing I'd argue is that the NFL itself had a worse statement because within like half an hour, they said that all of the claims were baseless and without merit. And even one of Brian Flores' lawyers, he said, he's like, they spent more time checking on deflated footballs than they did refuting this entire 58-page lawsuit in half an hour. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the NFL, I almost put on their own plane of doing things incompetently. Um, but you are right. That, that was the worst statement, but I would, I would put the giants at a, at a close, a close to, uh, the, the Broncos one was objectively hilarious. It was like an essay and it was like, you know, we hired, we did a professional interview, uh, shout out Providence. That was where the interview was. It was in Providence, Rhode Island, um, where history is made apparently. Um, but that as much as I agree, Brand, you are right. The Broncos are, I mean, they don't look good, but they're not nearly in the same territory as the giants or the dolphins. Um, but that blurb about the Broncos is like, that's shameful. Like <laughs> that they showed up disheveled, obviously were drinking the night before. And it was a sham interview, pretty much it wasted Brian Flores' time. And on top of that, they hired Vic Fangio to be the head coach after that. Like, okay, Vic, okay. Vic, Fan- Ooh, Vic Fangio. He had so much success with the Broncos too, but John Elway is a great talent evaluator. So it's all right. Uh, in his interview, Brian Flores said too. He said, "Uh, he's had nine coaching interviews. Said none of them, el- no one else has been late. No one else has like been in that like, even the the Giants when he said nothing was like that one. And he and they asked him to explain like, how he could tell that they were hungover. And without like saying it, like, yeah, you, I guess he was saying that like, he could smell it off them. Like he could tell that they were like very much not not yeah. like not prepared, not, not the, so unprofessional. Like, I mean, that's what it sounds like." Yeah. Um, I'll, we'll pop a quick allegedly in there with the lawsuit. Um, do you guys think Belichick did what he did on purpose? No. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I a, think it's a, kinda, it's a, I kind of think he did. It's a fun theory to think that he did because he hates the Giants and he hates the NFL. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think he likes Flores a lot. I, oh, I definitely think he likes Flores. I mean, he was a coach for him for like 15 years. Even Flores today, he was saying, he was like, everyone makes a mistake in terms of sending. And obviously, this right. lawsuit doesn't have anything to do with. Belichick as like uh, uh, one of the the people no. who caused this, other than being um, you know old dude. I right. think I think yeah, I think he meant the text. He probably has them saved in his phone as both Brian, right? Or, a, yeah. or maybe big mistake, big mistake. Brian New England, something like that, and then yeah, yeah. just cross lines there. And he hit but, he um, hit the wrong Brian, and he launched a lawsuit that might change the NFL forever. But I don't think. Like, if any media asks him, he's going to say, like, oh, he'll put out a statement or something. He'll say, oh, well, I referred to it in the statement. I'm not talking about it again. And yeah. then if he has to testify, right. we'll, we'll see at that point. Yeah, he, he, can't, he can't do the old, uh, I'm on in Cincinnati with testifying in front of a court. Um, I really think that, I don't know, I think something is going to come from this before that point. Because, I mean, a lawsuit would be, it's already bad for them, but a lawsuit would be, obviously much worse for the nfl oh, yeah. and they're they're doing a lot of damage control i feel like 10 15 years ago this is something that they wouldn't have cared about as much but 
now they know that the public pressure is like actually so much more significant and so many more people are like privy to all of these things that are going on that they have to react because it's going to actually have an impact on their bottom line. And also it's just hilarious when they're saying like, Oh, diversity is a core value of our like industry or whatever. It's like, (laughs) that's just like, like, I don't understand why when PR companies and stuff like that put in a statement out like that, it's like, you know, you're going to get dogged for that immediately. Right. That's like the most textbook way of saying that's not true. (laughs) I mean, like not even saying it or saying that itself. Like, you know, I thought going into this offseason, like, the two guys that I would want to coach my team would be Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich. Like, those would be two at the top of my list that I'd interview and I'd hire. And those guys have – I don't even know if Bieniemy's had an interview in this cycle. Um, I know he's been a little – I know he's been a little busy. Um, but, no interviews. What was it? No interviews? I thought no so. No interviews. And Byron Leftwich, I think he interviewed – he's still a candidate for the Jaguars job. So he's I'll, out now. Oh, he's out now. Oh, good. Yeah. Even better. Who are they going to hire? Who who wants to coach that team? Apparently, no one knows what they're doing. No, You don't say. Has anybody ever? I mean, the, the thing is, I think that what sucks about that is they're still a significant destination just because of Trevor Lawrence. Right. And their GM is obviously going to be trying to hang on to that as much as possible because if Trevor Lawrence pops off, it's going to make him look good, even though Trent Balky is like an oh, ass yeah. GM. Yeah, and apparently, him. that was one of the hangups between left which in the Jags he was like all right if I'm gonna coach here you gotta get rid of this dude because he's dead weight and he sucks which mm-hmm. hasn't proved in any way that he's a good GM and, um, Bul- and Bulky was the guy that was Bulky no it was Jed York I'm thinking of in San Francisco no, he no. was in San Francisco he was in so. San Francisco too was he the yeah. one that screwed up the Harbaugh thing or was that Jed York that was Jed York he thought. was the owner oh uh, yeah right okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah Bulky right was I'm- the GM I mean, the other thing, too, with the Jacksonville situation is people sometimes overlook. There's only 32 of these jobs right. in the world. So it's like there's an incredible demand regardless. Of, and when people say, you know, oh, why did David Culley take the Texans job? Or why did, you know, why did anyone take any job? Well, because there's only 32 of them. And these guys work so hard and they finally get a shot. And... You want to believe that the people on the other side are doing doing things in good faith. You want to believe that they're going to try to win and get you players to win. But in the end, it doesn't always happen like that, and that's where we are right now, where you have yeah. one F, one black head coach in the NFL and you have a really, really messed up hiring p- process that kind of just regrounds, retreads, and hires old guys, and, and you get really most coordinators and – on up from there are, are, are white. So it's like yeah. we're in a situation where there's no real way for anyone to move up, which is why the thing needs to be fixed in the first place. Hey, you know what, Brandon? I know, I know, I, I guess I laughed off the Jaguars job, but looking at the ones that are left, the Jaguars, I think, are the easily, easily the best job left. It's the Jaguars, the Dolphins, who I don't know if anybody wants to really touch that organization right now. I wouldn't want to go to the, I wouldn't uh, want to go the there. Saints, who don't have a quarterback. Um and, and there's seventy five million in the hole. Right. Uh and the Texans, who you could also argue do not have a quarterback. Uh I mean Davis yeah, Mills has been okay, over. but whatever happens with the Texans, whatever deal goes on with Watson, you're gonna have that tied to you too. Right. Exactly. They're gonna say, Oh, if you get back however many first and those guys don't pan out, they're gonna say that's what you got for him and you're the reason for it too. So you have like a like think about with um not to make it too Boston centric, but Heim with the Red Sox, Heim Boom. Right. Like, he had, right from the jump, to trade Mookie. So, you, whatever happens with that. And granted, it's a bit different with the GM. But, like, 
whatever happens on that and that's going to be tied to it too so yeah i think right. the jags might honestly be one of the better options i mean honestly just just for lawrence alone and, and they don't play in a super strong division either i know the titans were the one yeah. seed but i mean lawrence next year could be the best quarterback of that division he might already be even though he had a bad year <laughs> um but all right so that's that's a lot on the the brian flores situation uh, we kind of touched on the remaining questions here, so we'll move on to uh, my airing of the grievances before our main topic today. Uh, did you guys happen to catch the uh, first two installments of the MLB All-Time Top 100 list on ESPN.com? No. Great, because I did. No. <laughs> you didn't? None, neither of you did? I wouldn't. I, I don't I don't even. Yeah, no. This is perfect. This is perfect, because I have my own grievances, and I want to throw, throw them at you guys. Cause, so you're going in sight unseen. This is great. So I have a list of grievances uh, that I want to air to you guys and see if you agree. Uh, I have 10 of them. I'll roll through them quick and I'll get your, your quick reactions. Uh, so my first one, that Barry Larkin's on the list at all. He's number 100. That's kind of interesting. I agree. Wait, uh, so this is 100 best players ever? Ever. Which, I'll thank you. That's actually a good reminder. I put this on the list to note. I said this on Twitter yesterday. This is impossible. This is the one sport you shouldn't do this with. Before, before you even read anything, that's why I don't consume these lists because it's impossible to even, like, like how do you signify that? How do you compare the errors? Like, that alone is, like, a, a huge thing that just blows it up completely. How are you yeah. going to compare a guy who played in, like, the dead ball era or a guy who played in yep. the 60s versus a guy who's playing in 2019 with right. a juice baseball? Like, right. they're so different variables. Yep. Should be dead ball era. There should be the expansion era. Today's game, the steroid era. Like that's the only way to actually quantify. And Brandon, God, I wish I had your willpower not to click on lists like this, but I'm a sucker for it. So, um, yeah, I don't think Barry Larkin should be on the list at all. He was obviously a great player, a Hall of Famer, but I don't consider him one of the hundred greatest players of all time. That's just me. Um, next up, they put Bryce Harper over Adrian Beltre. Bryce Harper, 94. Beltran, 97. I mean, maybe by the end of the career, maybe, but not right now. Right. I mean, Bryce Harper would have to be a first ballot Hall of Famer today. Is he? I would say no. I would say no. he probably will be, but I don't think he is right now. He's definitely not right now. No. I mean, he had an MVP year that kind of saved his reputation. Um, but Beltre is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, that's just my opinion. Um... This one's more of a personal thing. You guys probably will disagree because um, I know. Uh, they had Mike Piazza, number 81, over Roy Campanella, number 83. I disagree, personally. See, like, that's just so, splitting hairs to such a degree. I, right. I don't even know how to, like, argue whichever one. The only thing, like, I, yeah. in reverse order, I wouldn't know how to argue that either. <laughs> right. I mean, my I only put it as a sticking point because... I mean, I think they gave it to Piazza because he was a great power-hitting catcher in his era. Uh, but Campanella won three MVPs as a catcher. That's very hard to do. Um, next up, they put... This one was pretty pretty uh, popular on Twitter. Uh, Whitey Ford over Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, like, I, I don't know. I just know Whitey Ford is like considered a overall good baseball player and that throughout the legends of time right i don't know like anything about his career his stats like i can't speak on i that. believe he's the all-time world series innings pitch leader i mean he, I'll, I'll give you a hint he played for the yankees if you guys didn't know that 
I know um, that much. No, I know. I was talking to the, the audience more so. Um, but this is, it goes back to your point, Brandon. Like, I, I'm a big old-timer guy. I mean, you guys know that. I just talked about Roy Campanella. Um, I'm a big old-timer guy. But even I'm like, all right, let, let's cool it with Whitey Ford over Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who in today's <laughs> game are two of the best contemporary pitchers we've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And I mean... They're already two legends yeah. in baseball history without yeah. even... Like, what, they both have, what, two rings? Is that it? Uh, Verlander has one. One. I don't think he has Scherzer. two. Scherzer has. Maybe they both have one. I only have one. No, Scherzer has one. Yeah, Scherzer both have one. one. Verlander has Scherzer's not two. Scherzer's got Nationals. Yeah. Verlander's got Astros. But Verlander has been to two World Series, I think. Or three. I mean, well, he's Scherzer, been to three or four. Scherzer was on that team too, right? Um, Scherzer was on the... Yeah, he was on the 19 team that got there and won. Uh, 2013, the Tigers. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, the, yeah, the 2012 team. You're right. The one that got to the World Series and lost to the uh, the Giants. Yeah, 2012, that's what I meant, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, a, yeah that's right, that he was on that team. So it was Rick Porcello. Don't forget him. Uh, not not on the list. Just saying. Didn't make the cut. Um, this one, I, I didn't see get much play on Twitter. Dave Winfield, number 56, over Miguel Cabrera, number 59. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think that that's that bad. I don't, I I mean, to to put Cabrera over Winfield, they both have to be first ballot Hall of Famers, which they are. I don't think there's any dispute there. Wait, you said Cabrera is over Winfield or Winfield's over Cabrera? No, Winfield's over Cabrera. Oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a small grievance, not a big one. Um, This one, for me, is a big grievance. Uh, they had... Ernie Banks, Clayton Kershaw, Steve Carlton, Carl Yastrzemski, David Ortiz, and Manny Ramirez, all below Frank Thomas. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that was kind of annoying. Frank Thomas That's... is number, according to ESPN, Frank Thomas is the 49th greatest baseball player of all time. Okay. They, yo, that, they must have stocks in eugenics or eugenics. <laughs> in, in eugenics? Yeah. yeah. I think they, they might have stock in, in eugenics. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, come on. I mean, those names I just said. Ernie Banks, Clayton Kershaw, Steve Carlton, Yaz, Poppy, and Manny. Frank Thomas is better than all those guys? Get the hell out of here. Was Frank Thomas on the White Sox in 05? No. He didn't, uh, wait, no. He wasn't on that team, was he? I thought he was. He might, yeah, he might have been like an end of the bench guy at that point, but yeah, he might be right actually. No, actually, I don't think he was. He was on the A's at that point, wasn't he? I don't remember. I know he went. He was with the because he fi- finished his career with Toronto, played for Oakland. Because I don't remember what he if he got that ring, but oh five, he was on the White Sox. So he did. He did. Well, I would love to look at his postseason stats that year. Probably did nothing. Um, I mean, he has two MVPs. Um, I get that, but I have a he hard time. He played in the postseason that year. He didn't play? <laughs> in 05? No. Yeah, naturally. Uh, got that ring, though. Um, so, yeah. Next up, this is, <laughs> this might be the most minor grievance of them all, but you got, and again, it's not even almost, it's almost not even a grievance, but they put Wade Boggs one spot ahead of Ichiro. That didn't sit right with me. Ichiro is what forty six, right? Yeah, and Wade Boggs is forty five. I don't like it. That's that's a little different. Ichiro never betrayed his team like Wade Boggs did. Ichiro <laughs> has overall player two, obviously. 
encapsulate is obviously better than Ray Buzz. Because what he showed his rookie season in the U.S. He was like 27, 28, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, he had obviously been a baller overseas. And, like, they put Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, and Ichiro, like, all in the same spot. Gwynn was number 44. And I'm like, you pretty much just put the same player, like, three. Like, you couldn't decide. So, like, you know, just put them, put them all together. Who cares? Who's going to argue? I will. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, it wouldn't be me if I didn't want to argue about Jimmy Fox. Uh, they put, <laughs> I was waiting for this one. They put Yogi Berra over Jimmy Fox. Get the hell out of here. Just because Yogi Berra has 16 rings. Doesn't mean he was a better player than Jimmy Fox. All right. Jimmy Fox was a slugger before, like, pretty much it went Babe Ruth and then Jimmy Fox. Like, he was the next guy after Ruth in terms of being an incredible slugger. He held the Red Sox single season home run record for like 60 something years. Okay. You guys know this, though. You know how I am about Jimmy Fox. I'm very particular about Jimmy Fox. But he was a better player than Yogi Berra. Get the hell out of my face. I don't care what anybody wants to argue about Yogi Berra. Not a better player than Jimmy Fox. Sorry. Yeah, Jimmy Fox is obviously very underrated in basically everything he did. That's but. absolutely right. And Dave is not saying that with a gun to his head. Um, <laughs> so really, the, the one that everybody was getting on today, guys, was the fact that they put Satchel Paige, Jackie Robinson, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, and Albert Pujols behind Derek Jeter at 28. Oof. There we go. Yeah, that's the reaction I was waiting for. Wow. Derek Jeter. I think Derek Jeter is clearly a legend, but I think Derek Jeter is also a little overrated. Riding on the coattails of the Yankee success. You think? I'm not even saying that. It's just like. People... No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but people will use like the, the jump throws and stuff like that and, and like the play it to um, home plate where he got Jason Giambi out when Jason Giambi was safe by like three steps. Um, and if they had replay, then that play wouldn't have even been right. relevant in the depth of time. <laughs> That's besides the point, though. Derek Jeter's still a legend, but it's just like, I don't know. He's never been top. He's one of the best right. winners of all time, one of the best captains of all time. So I do think he belongs in the upper echelon category, like way above 50, honestly, above 40, probably. I, again, I can't even think of these things off the top of my head. But I think there are guys who were more complete players. But again, yeah. his leadership and his winning, that definitely is a part of the intangibles that puts him above pretty much anyone, too. And to me, the reason that the, I put these five guys here is because there's a word you could apply to all of them that I would not apply to Derek Jeter, and that is transcendent. They were all transcendent talents. Albert I'll disagree Poole, there. I don't I think, think, I don't think Jeter was, was a transcendent player. Derek Jeter was definitely transcendent. I don't think he. I don't think he really changed anything. He wasn't a transcendent. He, he definitely changed the game. I'm. I'm. I'll, I'll. Like in terms of people who were like inspired by him. Look at our our favorite our favorite shortstop, Xander Bogarts. I mean, there's a reason his numbers too. Because they've um, been brainwashed. That's why. One of our one of our top prospects is literally named Jeter. I, um, yeah. <laughs> like, I think that I think he's definitely transcended the game. I don't know. I just don't but, look at him. I mean, again, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm different. But I'm also a big just general baseball guy, and I just I disagree. I mean, I don't. I think I think Jeter is not a little overrated. I think he's just straight up overrated. Um, but I look at Satchel Paige, Jackie Robinson. I mean, guys who are whose names are etched in, in like like almost mythical players, and then Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson. You know, in the twentieth century, you'd be hard pressed to find guys better than them. I mean, they're they're two of the greatest pitchers of all time, and then Albert Pujols, who is, I mean, it, have you guys? I mean, have you guys seen a better 
pure slugger hitter than Albert Pujols in your lifetime? Maybe. I mean, Barry Bonds, we were a little young for him. The most egregious between all those names that you just said for me were Bob Gibson and Pujols. Um, yeah. I think both of those dudes are probably, again, just off the top of my head without knowing anything about old baseball just outside of their names. Those guys, I would just assume, would be the top 20, top 15. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add, Dave? No, it's just, I mean, I, I'm more with Jake on the side. I mean, if you go to wins above replacement, which I know isn't like a perfect formula, it's more of an advanced look at it. Dave, you're going to get our show canceled by saying it's not it's not gospel. Huh? You're going to get our show canceled by saying it's not gospel. War. It's, it's, uh, he's 94th in career wins above replacement I mean. with 71. Which, to give you an idea, Mike Trout has 76. <laughs> I can't. I, I wonder where Mike Trout ends up on this list, because obviously he's in the top 25. But I wonder, He's going to end up in the top 10. I, I, I can't wait to see when people lose their minds over what player's ahead of him. Because you know there's going to be like Joe DiMaggio will be ahead of him or something like that. Something they'll, crazy. they'll put like Willie Mays, and they'll be like, are you kidding me? Willie well, Mays never did the stuff Mike Trout did. Look, as I've said before, and I will say again, in my opinion, Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player of all time. But um, oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think he um, is. And then this was a minor disagreement, but A-Rob was 26 and Roberto Clemente was 27. And Roberto Clemente is one of like my five favorite players of all time. So. Hello, Clemente. Clemente, I mean, talk about a guy whose, whose name is etched in legend. Etched in legend. Roberto Clemente. I mean, I've, I've always, always loved Clemente and I think 27 I think it might be a, a, a smidge low I might have put him in, in the top 25 just barely but I mean he definitely belongs in that that upper echelon the guy was a legend and probably one of the more forgotten legends like among like casual fans another thing with these lists too is that I feel like for every one of them there's probably like every edition or every release of this next it's what by 25 uh uh, the, ne- the next one's the top 25. It was 50 and then 25 they released. Now it's the top 25. Every group they released, they probably have at least like two or three guys that they bumped up like 15 spots or bumped down like 10 spots just to piss everyone off. Like for no other reason. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I should... I you know, It's... It, that's, that's what, it goes back to what we said earlier. It is impossible to... They should have done it by era. Do a top 20 players by era. And I think you can satisfy more people because then you can have a legit argument of Cap Anson versus Hack, uh, not Hack Wilson, um, Honus, Wag- Honus Wagner. Like, it's more legit, or Old Hoss Radburn against uh, Tim Keefe or something like that. Like, you could have her Cy Young. Well, I'm sure uh, you know, people are going to lose their minds when Cy Young is in the top 25. <laughs> like, they're going to lose it because um, I don't think he's been named yet. But, um, I'm related, but I want ESPN to bring back. Do you guys remember who's now? I don't remember that. It was like, and then they had, they basically have a bracket of like legends from the like, current legends from different sports, and they would basically have people vote on them every couple of weeks, and then they would eventually announce who the le- biggest legend was. I think it was like Serena Williams versus Tiger Woods versus Tom Brady versus LeBron in the end. I think it was something like. Oh, that. was it? Was it that like? Um, oh, I think it was. It where did they do like a graphic where it was like a like a swirling thing? And they would like go person by person. It was. I don't really remember what it was. I remember the the promo had um, big, big big shit popping by Ti. Okay. That was like the song for it. I, I don't remember that part, but um, no. I think I remember what you're. Well, it was it wasn't a show. It was like a segment, right? 
yeah. Okay, and, then and yes, was, I know what you're talking about. This was this was well over ten years ago. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember what you're talking about now. I thought you meant a show. No, I do remember this segment. It was. Yeah, I, I think Tiger Woods. Did Tiger Woods win it? I think so. I think he I did. remember a lot of random shows from early 2000s. Stump the Schwab, Cheap Seats. Yeah. I love those shows. Stump the Schwab was an all-time great. Yeah. There was I'd Do Anything. There was Cheap Seats. There oh. was. Oh, oh my god, dude, those are so super great. Uh, remember Cold Pizza? <laughs> yeah, that's what First Take became. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. You and I just tied the game forty-eight all. Hey, that'll that'll age well. Um, <laughs> moving on, guys, to our uh, main topic of this episode, which we have uh spent a little time getting to, but it's all right. You know, who cares? It's our show. Um, Tom Brady might have heard the name. Uh, he played in the NFL for, I think it was a uh, few years, right? Like five, ten, something like that. I heard something about ten plus years. Uh, I think he played for a little while. Um, but he announced his retirement officially. I mean, he, it was broken by Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter that he was retiring on Saturday, which was January 29th. And then Tom Brady officially came out with his announcement on Tuesday in an eight page, eight slide Instagram uh, retirement announcement. Uh, did not mention, I mean, he didn't play most of his career in New England, so I get why he didn't mention the Patriots. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um, uh, I have some some notes here on uh, on Tom Brady. Tom Brady was drafted on April 16th, 2000. You guys ready for some trivia? I know you guys love trivia. As you guys know, I'm a, I'm a maven for it. Let's do it. The number one movie on April 16th, 2000 was Rules of Engagement, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. I don't remember that movie. I don't remember that movie at all. Uh, I've heard the title, but I didn't even know either of them were in it. I thought it was the TV show with David Spade, so. That might oh, be God. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, you see that title, and do you think it's like a hard, steely war movie? Or like, no, you think it's like a rom-com. I think of it as rom-com, yeah. Yeah. And David that, Spade tradition does. That's, that's, that's true. David Spade, David Spade, Oliver, uh, what's his name? Oliver Hudson and Patrick Warburton conditioned us. Uh, Patrick Warburton. Here, here's one that's more up Brandon's alley because I know Dave's not a big music guy. Brandon, the number one song the week that Tom Brady was drafted was Maria Maria by Santana featuring the product G&B. What song by Santana was it? Maria Maria. Oh my God. That was actually a good song. It is a good song, right? <laughs> it was like a 10-week number one, too. It was number one for a while. Um, all right, now here's some near actual trivia questions, football-related ones. Do you know who was the leading passer the year before Tom Brady got drafted? Steve Berline. Mark Brunel. Uh No, you guys were close. It was an obscure guy, uh, Peyton Manning. <laughs> the leading rusher that year. Marshall Falk. Edger and James. It was Edger and James. 1,700 yards. Uh, by the way, Manning threw for 4,400 yards that year. 33 touchdowns, 15 picks. The leading receiver that year? Marvin Harrison. Mm, Jimmy Smith? No, Torrey Holt, the answer. Torrey Holt. Mm. Uh, the all-time leading passer. This is easier. At the time? Mm-hmm. Brett Favre? Montana? No. Brett Favre, Dave? Oh, I was... <laughs> played for five years. No, it was uh, Dan Marino. <laughs> that was, Six... like, that Dan... was like three years into being a starter. <laughs> Dan Marino, 61,361 yards. He also had the most passing touchdowns, 420 on the dot. Uh, 
Um, Fourth one in. Here's oh my god. Here's another. Uh, there's three guys you got to name. The only quarterbacks with multiple 300 yard playoff games before Tom Brady got drafted. Sorry, could you repeat the question? <laughs> the only Steve Young. No, the only quarterbacks with multiple 300 passing yard playoff games before Tom Brady got drafted. Cunningham? Nope. Warren Moon. Nope. These are all um, all Hall of Famers. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, yes. What's his name? Um, it was Bradshaw? Mm-hmm, he's one of them. There's more than one. He was the first. Or star. No, not older than Terry. Terry Bradshaw's the oldest one. Oh, okay. Then the guy I'm thinking about doesn't count. Uh, Um, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Kurt Warner. Joe Montana's another one. Kurt Warner? Nope. I concede. The other one is John Elway. Mm. Uh, Hmm. Here's here's an easy one for you. The all-time leading playoff passer before Tom Brady got drafted. Joe Montana? Yes. Also the most touchdown passes. Joe Montana... Had 5,772 playoff passing yards. Tom Brady had 13,049. Oh, my God. Joe Montana had 45 playoff touchdown passes. Tom Brady had 86. Yeah, like, I don't even want to hear people. Here's a a good question. Uh, All-time quarterback wins leader before Tom Brady got drafted. From From 1950 on. Oh, it's um, it's a guy you've already named. Bradshaw. No. Warren Moon. John Elway. Oh. One sixty-two. Tom Brady had two hundred and seventy-eight. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> ah, it's whatever. Um, all-time pass attempts leader was Dan Marino with eighty-three hundred and fifty-eight. Tom Brady had 11,317. Uh, yes, that's not going to get touched anytime soon. And the all-time leader in starts, Tom Brady has 316 of them. Beyond that is Jim Marshall and Bruce Matthews at 277. And then for quarterbacks, it was Dan Marino at 240 was the leader before Tom Brady joined the NFL. So those are some opening notes I had there for you guys just to grasp the insanity of Tom Brady's career. But, um, uh, Brandon, we'll start with you. Opening thoughts on the GOAT retirement. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say, even though in sports, like, records are meant to be broken, I don't think his records will be touched. Uh, most of them, at least. And he's obviously probably the greatest American athlete or, or American winner in terms of American sports there's ever been. Um, I think we were very privileged to be growing up watching him in this area. So we were like right in the the perfect place to get the Tom Brady influence. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it was obviously a magical ride watching him play for 20 years. I hate that he ended up playing for the Bucks and finishing his career there. Like I think that sucks. Um, and uh, as far as the statement goes, I mean, if you're asking about that later, I'll save it. But like, I don't really have too many deep thoughts on that. I'm just very thankful for. Like that, we we saw the pinnacle. We saw the peak of this sport. I'm very content knowing that I'll never see football like at its finest in this way again because I got to see it at this level, um, and I got to root for it for my own team. Like I very much 
at this point, like rooted for greatness in sports and whatnot. Like I'm definitely not a Warriors fan or anything, but I have a ton of respect for the Warriors, stuff like that. Um, so just, I don't know, being a fan of Brady's and having him play for my team for the vast majority of his career, it was very special. And yeah, he's the GOAT, enough said. But you, Dave? Um, it's, I think the one thing that you learned seeing Brady for all the years was how incredibly lucky people were to witness him, whether you were a fan or, of him or not, was how good he was and how special he was. Just because of the outrageous success he's had, he never had a losing season. Uh, he he missed the championship game as many times as as Rodgers and Manning basically got there in, in his career. So, I mean, it's like the guy is – his success is unparalleled, and it honestly is – it's like a weight for the people that saw him play all these years. Like our 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 scale of what good quarterback play is so skewed now. <laughs> we needed we needed a bridge here because no matter who it was, whether it was Cam Newton or you know Joe Montana in his prime, like we were not going to consider it a good quarterback play because we watched Tom Brady for twenty years. Like there was just no way. Our our scale is so skewed and so messed up. Uh, so it got reset last year and we, you know, I think people finally realized just how good he was and how special he was. And, uh, it's, it's really weird to, to think about an NFL without Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, you guys really hit the nail on the head mostly, you know, it's, it was tough to see him leave New England. I never, even from when the moment he decided he was going to Tampa Bay, I didn't blame him for that. I more so blame the Patriots side of that for letting him go. And it's, I, I don't know, it, it's, it was really tough to see that he was going to retire because you just kind of assumed he was going to play forever. But, you know, he has a family. He wants to spend time with them. I will, I don't know if we'll ever see another athlete, another, I mean, for sure we'll never see a better winner than him, ever, ever. He's the ultimate winner, a consummate professional, and... There was every time he stepped on the field for you, you thought you could win the game. There, even in that 2013 title game where he was throwing to Austin Collie and handing the ball off to Steven Jackson, you were like, maybe there's a chance they could win this. They, they, it just because he's there. As long as he was on that field, you had a chance. Other than 2009, <laughs> pretty much because that team was hopeless. But I'm mostly in jest. But it, it's you always had a shot with Brady out there. And there really aren't many guys you feel that way about because all of them have their own quirks that make them, you know, that they have their Achilles heel. Tom Brady really didn't have one. He even said it, he said it, was it, four or five years ago he had all the answers to the test. And then he proceeded to win three more Super Bowls or whatever it was and get to four more. The guy, it's, you will, whether you want to debate if he's the best football player ever or the best athlete ever, that's whatever. But I don't think there's any way you can objectively say that we will ever see anything like him ever again. We won't. Yeah. And in terms of him leaving the Patriots, um, like you were saying, I get it. 20 years is a very long time. I think there was an excellent run between Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. So I get why after that period of time you want to do your own thing. And as far as Blaine goes, like, the Patriots definitely deserve it more than I don't blame Tom Brady for leaving. Like you said, like I, I get it. The Patriots were at a 
a, a fork in the road where they couldn't put the team around Tom Brady that he needed to succeed clearly because we were still going to make the playoffs every year, but we were hitting a, a bump at that point. And obviously they had a lot of cap issues, got very, very, um, it got way worse uh, with Antonio Brown being there for a week and taking up another 10 mil of cap. So they had a lot of issues to work out on that end. Ultimately, from the looks of it, we've got a quarterback that we can, you know, have on this team in the future. So, you know, you can look back and say things did work out. Obviously, Brady proved everyone right by winning the championship with Tampa Bay. Um, and like I was saying in this conversation we were having the other day, Jake, like I'm still, even when he was on the Bucks, huge Brady fan. Yeah. Not a Bucks fan in the slightest. Like I'm never going to be a Bucks fan. Like I don't, I, I'm not a Bucks fan. Like, I, I'm there back to irrelevancy. I'm never going to be a Bucks fan. I'm sorry. But, I was just laughing thinking of our conversation with Colin the other night. Where uh, it's just... I am a Brady, huge Brady fan, though. So, yeah, like, if the Bucks don't succeed, like, I don't care. But yeah. Brady, I'm ha- like, I watched the Super Bowl for Brady. Gronk as well, but definitely for Brady. Like, I was happy to see him succeed just because of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, greatest, greatest winner. Obviously, all the things that can be said have already been said. And... Him leaving the Patriots is definitely always going to be a sour spot. I'm just hoping that now that he's retired, they can bury the hatchet on a lot of these things. They can give him his little like stake in ownership because he definitely <laughs> has some old craft where they're going to be like, all right, you get like, I don't know, something on the, or for all the money he gave back, they got to give him something right. on the back end. Um, excited for his Jersey retirement, his Patriots hall of fame and induction, and hopefully seeing him at games and like just a random September, just, hanging out with his family, coming over, maybe him on the sideline, like a lot of the players are, you know, talking to them before the game and whatnot. I'm hoping that that can be the way things are. I'm going to be very hopeful for that. I'm going to be optimistic. Yeah. I hope that they can get through this. I don't know. Do you guys think he makes the Patriots Hall of Fame? <laughs> hey, they haven't, they haven't inducted Parcells yet, have they? Oh, my God. I don't know. I think he's a fringe guy. <laughs> I will say I that was... Patriots Hall of Fame has like specific rules on I know. how long you have to wait and all that stuff. I mean, obviously they're gonna they're gonna waive that for Brady, but like I, apparently they only do one person a year. Even I thought I I, 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 know that. I mean it is cool to give that guy his own his own day, but I and mean a lot of people who need to get get in though. Honestly, they should just they should the end the, they should do what they did for Wayne Gretzky and a bunch of other guys in the NHLs. Waive the five year waiting period. Just induct them now. Like what are you like what are you waiting for? Like. You just like, okay, cool. Like, all right, you're gonna wait five years and then do it. You'll have a they'll have a pretty good class though, because they'll have him. It, it'll be funny that he overshadows Big Ben again, though. That'll be funny because <laughs> no one's gonna care about him. Could be Gronk too. That's right. That's right. That's Gronk. Too. There's a zero percent chance that Gronk plays. In no. The NFL no, he he will only he's only playing with Tom Brady. And if Tom Brady's yeah, done, I'll, so I'll, is he. Yeah, I don't blame him either. Yeah, there's a no. 0% you think? Chance. Wait, you don't want you don't think he wants to catch passes from Kyle Trask? I mean, I think he would for Blaine Gabbert, though, actually. Oh, Blaine yeah, Gabbert's sure. really put, um, put together a nice body of work. Quick over-under on the Bucks. under Over-under five and a half years that they make the playoffs again. Under. Yeah, under. I think the That's NFL a long time. Football, yeah. I, I know, but the Jets haven't made the playoffs in ten years. <laughs> they, there's, seven, there's seven teams that make the playoffs in each conference. I now. know, but, I mean, Jags that's true. The, the Saints almost made it this year. The Jags made it to the conference championship like three years ago. I'm take I'm, I'm gonna take the over just to be that guy. I'll take the over because I think that that like I I just can't I, I they're gonna have to draft somebody at some point that makes them better because there's no way Kyle Trask is their future. There's just no way that was the plan. They gotta do something. I, mean, um, I think they'll make a move because I, I think this will good. Not to not to just go on the Bucks because again they're they're irrelevant again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to it like Brady gave them 
the biggest gift. Not only the Super Bowl, but he taught them how to be. He's he he alone taught them how to be a legitimate franchise. Now it's up to them whether they continue that and keep it rolling and build on that success, or whether they say, "All right, we're cool with what we had." Everyone, all right, all the coaches are going to leave now. All the players are going to go to get new contract, get paid elsewhere, and we're just going to be ass, or we're going to be mediocre again. Like they need to strike what like if they don't make the playoffs. I mean, maybe next year is a, is could be tough considering what they do with quarterback. But if they're not back in the playoffs in two or three years, like that's a massive disappointment. You had Tom Brady come and teach you the way, and if you fumble that bag right after he leaves, that's a that's a huge problem. Like he he gave you two years of just I don't know a master class in how to run a football organization, mm-hmm. and if they fumble that bag as quickly as they they got the success, then I mean one it would just prove Brady Brady's dominance even further, but. Two, it would look pretty, you know, lame on their part because they would just be a blip on the radar, you know? Yeah. Um, so did you guys see Belichick's statement tonight? It took him, what, 36 hours to make a statement? He released one? He did. I'll, yeah, you know what? I'll, I think I'll read it for you guys. Of, Let me find it. It's very short. Yesterday. It's like... Three, it's like four sentences or five sentences. It is. Uh, I am privileged to have drafted and coached Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor and winner. Tom's humble beginning in professional football ultimately ended with him becoming the best player in NFL history. This is the guy who coached Lawrence Taylor, by the way. Tom consistently performed at the highest level against competition that always made him the number one player to stop. His pursuit of excellence was inspirational. Tom was professional on and off the field and carried himself with class, integrity, and kindness. I thank Tom for his relentless pursuit of excellence and positive impact on me and New England Patriots for 20 years. Uh, so before we get into that real quick. I, my, think that's, I think that's good. It's good, but I do find it funny that it's very Belichick to the first thing he says is, I drafted him. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Belichick yeah. for that to be the first thing he says. <laughs> and as far as him releasing the statement today, I think with what happened yesterday, that makes that explains it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, the lawsuit, I think he was probably... Oh, good point. <laughs> That's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Flores also said too. He said uh, he informed the Texans and the Saints before the lawsuit was filed that he was. So I'm sure he talked to Belichick too. So Belichick was probably wrapped up in uh, something else in the meantime. Yeah, he was probably a little busy. But uh, yeah, what, what comments do you guys have on that? I think that's a. I think that's a good statement. Yeah. I think uh, it's. Uh, he calls him the goat definitively, which he is. He mentions all the the checkpoints you need. There's always like there's gonna be no matter what the Boston sports radio dissecting of every line where they're gonna be like, like oh he said uh this instead of that which means that he's absolutely hates Brady and they're gonna like fight to the death tomorrow and they've already got an event planned for it like I don't know there's gonna be some dissection for it in some way shape or form but I thought that I think that's good. I, I thought it was a good statement. It's short, concise, packs the information that you want. It said the exact things that you would expect that he was relentless in his pursuit of excellence he was a good person a coach uh and i think the one thing that was kind of unknown of what he would say is the value of tom brady and he did he said he's the best player in nfl history which uh belichick might you know every week he might say you know this is a great opponent and he might chalk them you know talk them up a little bit the one thing belichick will never do is overrate someone's place in history because he values the nfl history so for him to tell someone that someone's the greatest player in NFL history, he's not making that up. No. That's factually believes it. Yeah, guy's been coaching 45 years, and he coached, again, like I said, Lawrence Taylor, who he has many times said he thinks is the best player of all time. And to say that about Tom Brady, there really is no greater authority, in my opinion, to say something like that. So, 
Um, and, and you know, for anyone that kind of doubts Belichick's... You're wrong. Um, kind, of, kind of bumping up Brady and pumping him up and saying how good he is. You know, the one thing that got Belichick like, out to do media appearances was the NFL 100 team. He spent hours at the desk with Rich Eisen and Chris Collinsworth and all these different players because he values the history of the game. People ask him in press conferences to talk about a transaction or an injury report. It's probably like two or three sentences. They ask him to talk about the importance of a punt protector, and he spends eight and a half minutes talking about it. Or he talks about Navy's run game, or he talks about how he learned about football because he loves the game. So You ask him to talk about uh, Emlyn Tunnel, he'll go on for five minutes. But yeah, exactly. Time. So he values he values the game. So I think for him to say that Brady was the greatest of all time, I, I think that carries a lot of weight for a lot of people. For sure. Um, your first Brady memory. I think for me it's the Tuck Rule game. Uh, it's kind of hard to say because... I know, it's really the first Patriots game I remember. A lot of those blended together, and then also seeing them in hindsight, it's hard to say what I definitively remember. But I I will say... Some of my like fondest early memories of Brady and the Patriots. Like I remember my brother's birthday is early February, so a lot Super Bowl always fell on like his birthday or the weekend of his birthday a lot that's of the awesome. time. And he's not a Patriots fan. So <laughs> that's not awesome. <laughs> so it was funny to have, have that growing up. Um, but I remember like the the Eagles Super Bowl, obviously. I remember the um catching like parts of the Ram Super Bowl, but when I was like very much into football by that time, it was definitely like the the Eagles Super Bowl as the first one that I was like right there in the moment for. You know what I mean? Because I was like what four or five when they won the right. the against the Rams. So yeah. obviously, like heard about it and was excited for it. When I but like when I was like really getting into a diehard fan and coming into my own as a Pats fan around that time. So I'm gonna say. Yeah. I don't know if it's my first memory, but I'll say one of the biggest significant memories early on that uh, that Super Bowl against the Eagles, the one that we won. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Brandon only started watching the Patriots up until like three years ago <laughs> during the full Super Bowl. Uh, Dave, are you on the same page with me with the tuck rule? Um, I think that's one of them, but yeah. I think the one that stands out the most of my first couple or, or first few was the Rams Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's Was the, the comeback, the last drive, and... Not even just the comeback that it happened, that they trusted him to do that instead of going overtime. Yeah. Um, cool. It's, I mean, that is that is something right there. For all the marbles and you trust your guy, back in an era where it wasn't common to go down the field that fast. Like, right. nowadays, it's like, oh, you have 45 seconds, you have a timeout. Right. Oh, you can get 80 yards. So, like, Mahomes went, what, 65 yards in 13, 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's like... Now it's, like, way different. I don't think the value for people to watch the game in the last five years can even, like, yeah. think, I don't think they would, they would understand what it was like back then. You know, the Patriots basically changed the rules in the game because of the fact they used to mug their indie receivers down the field. Like, they yeah. used to kind of beat them up and, and play really physical with them. Yeah. And then Bill Polian cried to obviously the commissioner. Yep. wanted that change to help Peyton Manning, to help the receivers separate and gain more leverage and, um, obviously, like the NFL obliged because people want to see offense. They don't want to see defense. Right. So they'd rather see five-yard penalties down the field for a first down rather than someone beating up the receiver like Rodney Harrison. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, that, that would be, like, my first memory. Talk about guys who should be in the Hall of Fame, Rodney Harrison. 
Um, so let's rank the Super Bowls. The wins. We don't have to rank the losses because those were all painful in their own way. Um, so what what would you... Let's start with the... What's the least memorable one? Because honestly, no offense, Brandon, I think it's the first Eagles one. Um, It's tough to say because obviously you can put them in all different directions and whatnot. I think maybe, maybe uh, the Panthers won. Probably... I mean, but there was a lot of action the, in that game. Isn't I don't know. I think that's tough. I I think I think it's between those two. I don't think there's any other argument. Like it's between those two. Because even well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Even yeah. though like people say that the Rams one was, I guess, like the least exciting. That one, like I know Gronk and Brady have even said that that was their most satisfying because like they were. Oh, the second, yeah, right, the second Rams one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was so much of like a grind. And yeah. it wasn't like a high scoring. It was like a, a very much a grind. Like who's going to win dirt for the longest type game. Yeah, I low key really liked that game. I thought that was a you know it was a defensive. Yeah, it was an excellent game. Defensive, bro. Between um, Jason McCourty's play, between Stephon Gilmore's play, like there were so many excellent defensive plays that the Patriots had in that game. I think Hightower had a couple. Van Noy had a really good sack. Gilmore had um, the pick. Yeah, like there, there's so many significant defensive plays in that game. Hmm. I think that was an excellent one. I think a lot of fans would probably put that one at the bottom, honestly. I agree, but I, I'm not most fans. I don't, and I agree. I, I wouldn't put that one on the bottom either. I mean, I think, I think it's really between. So I think if we had to rank them. So I'll, I'll just, I'll play along with you guys if you want. We could put the Panthers one last. It's um, tough too because a lot of those ones were some of the most dominant defenses of all yeah. time as well. Obviously, Brady played a significant part of them, but he wasn't the focal point of the offense necessarily or the focal point of the team um so like it depends if you're raking it from brady's perspective or if you're raking it from you know but i i'm just splitting hairs here at this point i mean <laughs> i know i understand um so if we want to put the carolina one last we could put the philadelphia one sixth the second rams one we could put that one fifth well, well are we ranking um the buccaneers one with brady yeah i would still put that one above the Rams. Yeah, one. that one's got that one's extremely significant because yeah. he did it on his own. So, I think for me that top the Mount Rushmore would go number four the Tampa one, number three the first one, number two. Man, I mean, really, it's I. The again, I still I think the Atlanta game is the greatest comeback I've ever seen in my life. I still think the Seattle game was the better game overall. I mean, either way you split it, yeah, those are one and two. Yeah. I think, so. I think Seattle's easily number one just yeah. because at that point Brady had really had realized how hard it was to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And he did he honestly, deep down, if you would ask them, I don't think he was sure that they were gonna win another Super Bowl. And yeah. that was the yeah. kickoff of the second dynasty mm-hmm. and also or like the second leg of the dynasty, I should say, because it kind of lasted. Even though we didn't win yeah. for ten years, it was still pretty much ongoing. But um as far as the comeback going and coming back from two fourteen point deficits and he had such an excellent game in that. And obviously, in the second half of the Falcons game, he did too. But like you were saying, just in terms of an overall complete game. And I think that that Legion, Legion of Boom defense was probably top – I mean, definitely top 10, but I would say around top five-ish defense ever Yeah. in terms of just the hype behind them and also their stats, how great they were, and also their star power on every level of defense. Um, it was just such a a, a battle between – Two, like both defenses were good. Both offenses were good. It was just a battle between the most quality teams around. Both, both had good special teams. You know, they, like, that was legitimately an example of the two best teams in the NFL playing against each other. And those are probably 
two of the top teams from that decade. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's also, not to spoil a question that I'm going to ask later, but I think that Seattle Super Bowl is when he really cemented himself as the greatest of all time. That as well. I mean, I think that's when people were like, all right, he's more than just a really good player. This guy is, like, one of the top ever. That Falcons one, mm. like, I remember all the naysayers on, like, like whether it was Shannon Sharp, whether it was uh, Max Clemmer, whatever, like, they, and I, I I enjoy watching those dudes just for the value of the entertainment. Obviously, they're just there for that reason. Yeah. Um, but they all shut up after that. They really did. Like, they, they all st- completely conceded at that point. No longer talked anything about clips or Brady falling off or anything like that. It all ended at that point. Yeah, so. and the way I've always seen it is the first dynasty was more Belichick than Brady. The second dynasty was more Brady than Belichick. Sure. And I think, yeah. obviously, they both played significant roles in every single one of them. Yeah. And for those teams, people will obviously discredit Belichick now. Um, and a little bit rightfully, just considering the fact that Brady won without him, although I think Belichick is still clearly the greatest coach of all time. Right. Um, I mean, it just goes to show that both of them together, how significant that combination was and always will be. Like, obviously, they have all these records together and whatnot. Um, but just knowing that, like you were saying, at any point you could have, you could be able to lean on one or the other and just know that they're still going to be coming through. Um, I feel like a lot of cases, like even, here's a perfect example. As excellent of a coach as Mike Tomlin is, Mike Tomlin still always, against the Patriots, mm-hmm. always cracked under pressure. Yep. E. Carroll cracked under pressure. Yep. Uh, Shanahan cracked under pressure. Quinn, obviously, as well. Um, but Dun- Yeah, Dungy cracked under pressure. And always it's just the two of them not doing that. Yeah. Whether it's not calling a timeout and the Seahawks throwing the pass, whether it's Brady driving down the field in that first Super Bowl or Brady making that pass to Gronk in the second Rams Super Bowl, it's just you knew that every time it was going to be coming through. And, and yeah, and I, I think it's a great point, too, because they've always been billed as dynasty killers. That's what they were. The Colts were supposed to be a dynasty. They killed them. The Rams were supposed to be a dynasty. They killed that. The Seahawks were supposed to be a dynasty. They killed that. Like, it, there was, you know, always, there was always this team that was supposed to supplant them, and they never did. I mean, you're going to look back at Roethlisberger's career, maybe not rightfully so, but you'll look back on it and be like, well, why didn't, he won two Super Bowls, but why didn't he win more if he has all these stats? And like, oh, he played in the same area as Tom Brady. Oh, well, why did, you know, why didn't, you know, look, look at Peyton Manning, you know, he won, in his prime, he won one Super Bowl, but oh, well, you know, he played in, this, played in the same time as, as Tom Brady did. Um, and he played at the same time as Jake Plummer, which is also very important. Um, but it, they're dynasty killers. That's what they were. And it, it was, it's, you could never build up your organization because these guys were always going to be there. And the teams that won in the interim where they weren't as dominant were one-offs for the most part. I mean, the Saints won, didn't really do anything after that. The Giants only won when the Patriots were there. Um, the Steelers finally found success once the Patriots uh, couldn't get to play them. Um, you know, it, it really only, it took the Jets or the Broncos to take out the Patriots before the Steelers could win. Um, but it, they really were just kind of one-off teams. The Colts beat the Patriots in that comeback and they won the Super Bowl. It, you know, it was, it wasn't really teams that were building any dynasties. It was kind of more, for lack of a better term, fluky wins. And then the Patriots got back to their winning ways and they just kept doing it. It was, it's just incredible to watch. And I mean, 
I've told the story ad nauseum of I think the best Super Bowl experience I've ever had watching one was with Brandon and his sweet mates for Super Bowl 49 with the Malcolm Butler interception, which I will say time and again is the best play in NFL history. It's the best play I've ever seen, the best play I'll ever see. That was a good-ass time. Unbelievable. I still, it was... 40 people squeezed into a place for like 15. I just remember, the. uh, it might might be romanticized, but I remember this like split second of dead silence from when the ball was snapped to when he picked it off. It was just dead silent, and then all of a sudden, a roar erupts. It was un, it was just... You remember where you were. Like you, you'll always remember where you were. Like Dave, where were you? At my house watching it. Right. So you remember where you were that mo- like that pure elation of you feel like this is gonna happen again for the third straight time. They're gonna lose like this, and then that oh, just overcome with emotion that they finally were able to pull it off. And <laughs> third time was the charm. Um, but yeah, so I think whether you pick the Seattle Super Bowl or the Atlanta Super Bowl, you can't really go wrong. Um, that that com- I mean that I, we haven't spent much time on it, but my God, that comeback without Gronk too. People forget that Gronk didn't play in that Super Bowl. He was hurt. Yeah, that was really a everyone performance. He got in the end. He ended up getting obviously the clutch catch from Edelman. He yep. got the clutch two point conversion from Danny Amendola. Obviously James White balled out. Mm. He had the touchdown from Malcolm Mitchell. Yeah. Like, Malcolm Mitchell, they do not win that Super Bowl without Malcolm Mitchell. Absolutely not. No. He had um significant plays to Marcel Martellus Bennett. Mm-hmm. He even tried he would have had that game winning touchdown potentially to Martellus Bennett if he didn't get interfered, but also that play where Vic Beasley almost picked off the play before. Like it was That's just right. you know, it was just so you know no emotions at the at the most extreme. I remember just obviously the the complete flip of emotions between watching from the first half and the second half. I remember where I was at. I was I I was like I'm not leaving. I'm gonna watch this through, yep. even though this is like so incredibly painful. And I don't know having that mindset where even though I was like this game is 99.9 percent over, you knew with Brady you at least had yep. some form of a chance. It's a perfect full circle because that's that's how Brady always was. Like you, no other team when they're down 28 to three, you're gonna look at them and be like, all right, well. We're done. Like, you know, it's like, – uh, we're not coming back from this. Like, I don't care who is there. Uh, and we're not going back. But the only guy that you might believe could do it was the one that did it, and that was Tom Brady. And that was pretty much how we went out, too, was coming back yeah. from a 27 to th- – what, 27 – was it 27 to 3? Was that yeah. the opposite? Yeah. 27 to 3, yeah. Right. And All then right. his defense letting him down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so do you guys have a favorite, like, random Brady game that you really enjoyed? I feel like we all have uh, one of those. Obviously, the Titans game that's up there, the 59 yeah. bro. Like, that was just the most snow, the classic uniforms, Randy Moss getting like almost 200 yards. They're just having complete domination, watching till the very end, hoping that they complete the shutout. That was that was up there. Obviously, smacking the Steelers at ass in the playoffs so many times mm-hmm. was, was up there, especially that one where, and I was reminded of this the other day, I was watching some things about Brady. Um, when the Steelers were 15 and two, 15 and one, excuse me, Patriots were 14 and two. And like, how often does that happen? Me- yeah. Meet each other in the playoffs, smack the Steelers in Heinz Field, mm-hmm. uh, Emma burgers r- rookie season, send their asses home. Um, obviously, all the battles with the Colts and Peyton Manning between the Colts and the Broncos, those are up there. Um, yeah, just so many games like that. And I mean, I, I maybe I used the wrong word for random because it's not a random game, what I'm going to say. But that 2018 title game against the Jaguars, that's one that 
people might forget in five or ten years. But the comeback, the fact that he, like, looking at what his hand looked like before that game, and the fact that he was able to will them back from that deficit at home against the Jaguars, I mean, I know they lost the Super Bowl, but, uh, again, a Super Bowl where he threw for 500 yards. But, damn, I mean, that, that run is one of the more underrated runs of Tom Brady's playoff career, and it only isn't memorable because they lost the Super Bowl event, uh, ultimately. But, my God, he balled out that run. Dave, I, th- <laughs> I, I was trying to throw it to Dave there. <laughs> is he, Dave, are you here? I'm here. I was okay. just like I was. I was expecting. There was, like weird, there was like a weird noise on my computer. I couldn't figure out what it I was. Expe- was. I was expect. You know, Dave, we we have this this rat tat tat. The three of us have from our radio days. We know. You know, we. we I know. I, I was. I was that, gonna say something, and I heard this noise, and flow. I don't know what it was. I got distracted. There's that flow. Like a little kid. Nothing more I love in a podcast than like just dead, a ten seconds of dead air. Dead Long silence. <laughs> and you know what? Because I like I like I like raw recordings, so I'm not gonna edit that out. People are gonna be like. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let people think that there's an issue with their with their yeah, listening yeah. device. Yeah, just go in I heard I heard yeah. some noise and I was like I'm trying to figure it out. I, I I know it takes you a couple seconds to respond, so I was like, all right, he's just taking a couple seconds, and I was like, all right, well, I know we lose him sometimes, so maybe that's what happened. Um, no, I'm still here. Let's try this again. Uh, Dave, do you have a favorite random Tom Brady game that you can think of? Um, I I don't know. There's so many. I mean, obviously. The Titans one was good that you said. His first uh, game back from ACL surgery was pretty good too against the Bills. That yeah. comeback. I mean, the, we're on the Cincinnati game where they blew mm. it Cincinnati. The his, his game return. where they blew it the Texans where they wore the, the jackets. His return and, uh, from um from suspension against Cleveland. Yep, and then there's uh, I mean, then you're talking about the AFC Championship against the Chiefs. Mm. The last Super Bowl they had was really good. Um. The, the multiple beatdowns they gave the Colts with one with Andrew Luck, it was like 45 to yeah. some to 13 or something. Yeah. Like, Garrett Blunt had like 200 yards. Yeah. Um, there's it's just, there's so many. I don't know if I could pick one. I, I mean, there I mean there are so many. You started 300 games. I mean, you can't. Yeah. You could try to pick one, but I mean, hey, the guy had a lot of great performances. Um, so I kind of. I, heard, I like. Oh. I like the one where they lost to Drew Bledsoe and the Bills, twenty-eight or thirty-five to nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was a great game. <laughs> Brady was super good in that one. Ah, <laughs> um, oh man, we kind of already answered the the last couple of questions. So I guess I'll ask you guys this one in closing: What does Tom Brady do next? Where, where does he go from here? To the White House, baby. To the White House, right? He's going to be the next Supreme Court justice. Oh my God. <laughs> um. It's tough because seeing the way that a lot of people are talking about Tom Brady right now, it reminds me a lot of when like Kobe retired, when Derek Jeter, like Derek Jeter retired, guys like that who are, and again, not not saying Derek Jeter to his sport is as good as uh, Tom Brady is and is, just saying in terms of being winners and stuff like that, um, and just the value that they bring to the sport. I've been going through Tom Brady's IG story just like randomly the past couple of days. And just seeing the random ass people who have been congratulating, like everyone from Kenny Britt, who, if you remember, played here for yeah. a little bit, to Jeff Bezos, <laughs> to Lonnie Patrick, Jeff Bezos, to um, Bon Jovi, to Pele. Yo, to the, fun- the absolute funniest one was he shared Jarrett Stidham's and said, Hope you continue your success. Yo, yeah, yeah, Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, so <laughs> like, all these random people throughout his career that, um, 
come see him. As far as what's next, I mean, he's obviously going to be doing something with TB12, something with his um, new podcast. He's going to be doing a bunch of business ventures on that end. He's got, like, NFTs and digital markets and stuff like that that he's involved with now, too. He's going to be involved in, like, 800 different businesses. But I, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think he'll I think he'll do appearances here and there. I'm just hoping, like I said in the beginning, I'm hoping that he's like, all right, I'm gonna make my yearly trip to the go see the Pats and uh, they're gonna like treat me like royalty and my family's gonna be with me the whole way and they're gonna be in this like the suites and get in the, the ten star treatment like they always did. And like it's gonna be just like old times except rather than playing, it's just gonna be like reminiscent and happiness and whatnot. Like I think that we'll get to that. If not soon, definitely at some point. And like, obviously, he's going to be there for his Hall of Fame and try Patriots Hall of Fame and Shryman and his Jersey retirement and stuff like that. So, again, there's obviously going to be things that are coming up where he'll be around and whatnot. But whatever iciness or whatever potential rumored animosity or whatever that's been floating around between them the last few years, I'm hoping that they dead that shit in the water because, like, there's way too many good things attached to this to let it just be saltiness and whatnot. Like. Thinking, for example, how Scottie Pippen, like how he and Michael Jordan aren't really on good terms right now. And like that's just sad to see in hindsight. And I don't ever want that to be the case with, you know, this team. So I'm hoping that they, whatever hatchet gets buried and they're just able to reminisce in the good times and bury whatever bullshit they have in the past and say like, hey, we're on a different relationship now. We're on a different level here. And it's all good times from this point forward. Because like, whether he says nothing about the Patriots in his statement or whether he wrote a 500 word soliloquy or statement or whatever you have. I don't know. Uh, he's still always going to be a Patriot. And he said that as, as much himself, right. he's always going to be a Patriot. He's always going to be a part of this, like uh, this community and this group. What say you, Dave? And, you know, I just think like when you think about, when you think about Brady, he's always going to be, around right he's always going to be part of the team he's going to be basically every time someone goes to a game they're going to see the banners and you're going to know tom brady like there's nothing about the patriots that's separate from tom brady he went to he played in tampa for two years he started out as a sixth round pick started out as a borderline practice squad guy almost didn't get drafted played at michigan like it doesn't matter how many other stories and other places he was or has been or what he does after like there's just always going to be the unbreakable and unmistakable bond between the Patriots football roster and Tom Brady so it's like even when you see Mac Jones people are going to immediately just watch and think man Tom Brady isn't there this is weird like for the next 10 years it's going to be like that right and all right one last one last hard question for you first ballot hall of famer they need to like take everyone else off the ballot, put him on, and then make everyone else do separate ballots. Spe- no, but I still think it'd be great to see him overshadow Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> That's all I want. Him and Gronk to overshadow him, and like in his, you know, you know, Brady in his speech is going to bring up all the Steelers wins <laughs> just to, just to needle him. He's going to bring it all up. It's like you know, to have at Ben Roethlisberger's retirement a Patriots themed ceremony. Oh yeah, so. nothing better because that's what his whole career was being overshadowed hey, by. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to make the Hall of Fame, but Pete, there's a lot of people who are, oh, Julian Edelman's not first ballot, but when he, <laughs> imagine, yeah. him ballot, it's um, not, I, I love Edelman, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not saying it's happening, I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame, but I'm just saying it'd be funny if 
if that happens. This has nothing to do with Brady, but I selfishly want this Hall of Fame ballot to even be bigger. Do you guys think there's a chance that if the Rams win the Super Bowl, Von Miller retires? No, no way. Because he, I think he's even said he wants to like resign there. He said he said he wants to finish his career there. So I don't think there there's any way. Okay, I, mean, I was just throwing it out there. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. That'd be, I mean, that'd be a cool, a cool person to add to it as well, though. Because I think it'd be even better is if Roethlisberger is giving his speech and Von Miller just lays him out. I know. I think Andrew Whitworth is planning on retiring. The oh, oh my dude, that, that's that twenty twenty seven class can be stacked. Yeah, so there's him, there's... I, mean, I don't really know who else is retiring this year. Or, I mean, obviously not everyone's necessarily yeah. housed it. But I think yeah. that's what the big ones. And, but, I mean, you also have to account for people that won't get on the first ballot the year or two before. That's true. Also, that's a good point. Did Adam Vinatieri technically retire this season or last season? I think it was last season. Or the year before, even, 2019. I don't think it was that far back. Cause he, I, I don't think he I played think during he the pandemic season. Yeah, but uh, he what, the year before that he had, he was hurt. He was on the oh, team. Okay, maybe. Pandemic season must have been his first not. So yeah, so that sucks. Yeah, so true. he'll be in the year before at least. So, yeah, that's true. That would have um, been cool to have with him. Yeah. So that's our that's our Tom Brady retrospective. Um, Brandon, thank you for joining us on the on the on the program. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course, hashing Respect it out. Hash, hashing it out with the MMA boys. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so you guys can uh, catch us. We have our NBA U25 draft uh, on Monday. You'll see how that episode drop. And then I believe Thursday with the with the big game coming up, Dave, it's our annual prop bets episode. Hell yeah. Of course, gotta, gotta get it. Gotta, gotta talk about the national anthem and Dave's favorite thing, music. Um, so until then, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Tom Brady, if you're listening, thanks for all the memories.